Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We're continuing our fact series, um, and this is week three, and we've been basically answering questions. Well, we've been doing it a little differently where we've been asking you guys questions, and then based upon your answers, we've been sort of trying to tackle some of the common things that we are facing, the things we think through, and what we want to talk about. And so this week, as we continue the series, we're going to answer this question. How do you define success? How do you define success? I want to go straight to the words of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about this idea. This is Matthew 6, 19. It reads this way. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Success. Sort of an interesting thing in our culture, and it's an interesting, interesting thing in our world. And really, we have all sorts of definitions of success. Let me read one to you. This is from LinkedIn. Um, it says, success, the opposite of failure, is the status of having achieved and accomplished an aim or objective. Being successful means the achievement of desired visions and planned goals. Furthermore, success can be a certain social status that describes a prosperous person that could also have gained fame for its favorable outcome. The dictionary defines success as the following, attaining wealth, prosperity, and or fame. And really, that is probably the best definition of a, a cultural sense of the idea of success. It is the achievement of some sort of goal, and with that achievement comes whether it's a notoriety or it's money or it's power. And this is really how we would define success. And we see this even, even naturally in conversations, what we would describe as a successful person. Even now in your mind, you could think, okay, how would I uh, describe someone that I would think of as successful. Think of them. What are they wearing? What are they doing? What's their job like? What are their friends around them like? And then think about somebody that we would describe as maybe unsuccessful. What do they look like? What are they wearing? What is their job like and the friends around them like? And success is, is really sort of maybe simple in our mind and how we would define it. Um, and we see this even in how we relate to one another, the conversations that we have, what we would say as success. It's what people do or where people go, what people have, and what people have accomplished. And this is both spoken and unspoken. What I mean by that is we would articulate this is our idea of success, but then also woven into the fabric of our 
culture and our world, this is sort of the gauge in how we measure success. And the reason for this, or a reason for this, is uh, from a shift in our culture um, after World War II, where we went from being sort of needs-based consumers to desire-based consumers. And this was really uh, uh, amplified by advertisement early in the, uh, the 1900s, or I guess in the middle of the 1900s. We don't live for what we need, um, food, shelter, community. We live for what we desire. And that is something, really simply, desires is something that can never be met. As much money as we make, there's always more money to be made. Or there's somebody that has more money than us. As much power as we have, there's always a boss. There's always somebody in authority over us. As much fame as we have, there's always someone more famous or something we haven't done or some accomplishment that we still need to uh, have. And so we tend to judge our lives and others' lives based upon what we accomplish, where we go, and what we have. But this is not how God defines success because God is far more focused on who you become rather than what you have. God's primary concern with your life and with my life is less about what we have and more about who we are becoming. The people that, that God is shaping us and forming us into, the people that represent him and his kingdom well. But because of our consumer mentality, we associate sort of the blessed life um, that God desires for us to have with the amount of stuff that we have. That, that God's blessing is sort of measured by what we have, whether it's through experiences or whether it's through our bank account or through uh, our position. We sort of associate God's blessing with some sort of monetary uh, value system. And we all do this. Even I do this. Just this week, I had the opportunity. My next-door neighbor gave me a free trip to a Disney resort to stay for a couple nights. So me and my wife, um, Hannah, and our uh, niece and nephews, we went to the Disney resort. And I remember saying, well, we were experiencing all this stuff that was given to us for free and, and being able to be in the pool and all this stuff, thinking, man, we are so blessed, was the words I used. Now, don't get me wrong, I 100% believe that. I am blessed and I'm thankful to God for all the things that I have. But the question that sort of jumped out of my mind even when I said that was if that's what makes me blessed, if I didn't get to go on this trip, am I less blessed? Or you who didn't get their neighbor's free resort package to Disney, are you any less blessed than I am? And it's so easy for us to associate the blessings of God with some sort of monetary version of success. And we sort of undercut or, or, or lessen the value of what true blessing actually is. Because Jesus invites us into a simpler way of living, less about what we have, what we've achieved, where we've been, and more into who God is making us to be. A life that's focused on living for the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of self and stuff. And this is the invitation. But it's difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because this goes against the very DNA of the world that we live in. 
where we are going to measure one another's success and ability and, and position all based upon who they are, what they do, and what they have. And so this invitation that Jesus gives us is very countercultural to the world that we're living in. So how then, if this is God's definition of success, less about what you have um, and more about who you become, if this is God's definition, how do we shift that focus in our mind? How do we go from desire-based consumers and be more content with what God has for us as he shapes us into the people he wants us to become. Three quick things from Jesus' teaching that I want us to see. Number one, how we do this, it's about what you treasure. What you treasure. Jesus said in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He also says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth destroys and things like that, but rather store up treasures in heaven. And then he says, where your treasure is. In other words, your treasure is not something you're going to get, but something that you already have. Rather than getting treasure, he focuses on what you treasure. And this is a really important sort of mental shift that we have because most of us would consider treasure some sort of uh, uh, thing or, or experience or position that we get one day or we arrive at. And what Jesus tells us to do is sort of shift our focus into getting treasure and focusing on what is it that you do treasure. And this is a great question for us to ask. What do you treasure? What, what is the focus of your life? What is most important to you right now in your life? Not about what you're going to get one day, but what are you treasuring now? Because what you treasure now, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. And so rather than treasure being, whether it's money or, or experience or fame or anything like that, Jesus says, what is the most important thing in your life right now? What do you treasure in your life? And one of the ways we shift our, even our own definition of success is going, do you know what? Treasure is not measured by money or experience or fame or things like that, but the treasure is what I value the most. And what Jesus is inviting us into is really to value him and his ways and his kingdom the most rather than what we could possibly get. What do you treasure? What's most important to you? Stuff, achievement, appearance. And the problem with all of those things is you can never have enough and it will never satisfy. The second thing that Jesus tells us to, to sort of help us shift how we measure success is in what you truly serve. He says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says that money uh, is not something that you get, but something that you serve. Money is not, money is, in an extent, it's neutral. It means nothing. It, money is neither good nor bad. But it's not just money. Money, he says, is not just something that you have and add to your bank account. It becomes something that you serve. And he says, by serving money, it is impossible for you to also wholeheartedly serve God. And so he says, who are you serving? Really, the bigger question is, are you serving God or are you serving yourself? Because if money and achievement and success and fame and all of that is our goal, that is really motivated and driven by self. But he says, you can't love both God and money. 
You can't serve wholeheartedly both God and money. One of those masters will suffer if you're attempting to serve both. And so Jesus says, who are you going to serve? Who do you truly serve? Think about in your own life. who, Who is sort of the master of my life? Is it me? Or am I submitting myself to the will of God, choosing to trust in him? 1 Timothy 6.10 says it like this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now this verse is often misquoted. Sometimes you'll hear that it's money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what it says. It says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So again, money is neutral. Money is neither good nor bad. It could be used for good things. It could be used for bad things. Money in itself is neutral, but love of money or obsession of money or success being defined as having more money is a root of all kinds of evil. And what that verse tells us is that some people eager for money or obsessed with money have wandered from the faith. Essentially saying exactly what Jesus said. He says you can't serve both. You can't truly serve God and also be serving self and money. We are called, we are invited into serving God. So what is, what do you treasure? What do you truly serve? And then the third thing is what do you trust? What do you trust? This is really the heart of what Jesus is getting at. The life of Jesus and the the Christian experience is not just a set of ideas that we believe in our mind. That being a follower of Jesus or being a Christian doesn't mean we've just arrived at some sort of conclusion about God in our mind. But following Jesus or being a Christian is a way that we walk in. Jesus more often in the Gospels invites people to follow him rather than believe in him. There's a difference. Believing is some sort of a mental conclusion that we come to. Following him is a decision and an action that we partake in. So Jesus invites us to follow after him. It's an invitation to a way of life, not just a mental decision. Because of this, and with this in mind, Jesus points out the reality of riches on earth that they don't last. He says it all breaks down, it all falls apart, or it gets stolen from us. And we see this all the time. You know, even our iPhones are designed. It's called uh, a planned obsolescence, where after a few months or really a few years, your, your iPhone is designed to fall apart. And have you ever noticed, coincidentally, as soon as it begins to fall apart, the new one is right around the corner. And it's designed that way. It's designed to fall apart. Everything that we have in our world, it's falling apart. It's breaking down. And he says, are you going to live your life with something that is guaranteed to not last? Or... Are you going to give your life to something that's guaranteed to last? Are you going to store up for yourselves treasures on earth that don't last or treasures in heaven that do last? And this, again, is an invitation to trusting in God. Are you going to choose to trust in yourself and what you can provide for yourself whether it's however much money you have or how much fame you can get or subscribers on YouTube or whatever that is? Or are you going to allow yourself to serve and trust God wholeheartedly, believing that what he has for us far outweighs what we could get for ourselves? 
Do we trust that? Do we trust that what God has for us is better than what we could ever get for ourselves? And Jesus goes on in the same sort of teaching to really challenge us in what we trust. The very next verse, we left off in verse 24. We're going to pick up in verse 25. He says this, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But, here's the key, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. What Jesus again is calling us into is what do we trust? Are you trusting in yourself and what you can get for yourself and what you can plan and prepare and accomplish and strive for? Or are you going to choose to trust God? And Jesus illustrates this so beautifully by saying, look at the birds. They are taken care of. They have food. They have shelter. And they don't plan. They don't strive. They don't work. But God takes care of them. Look at, the, look at the flowers of the field. They're more beautiful than Solomon in all of his splendor. Solomon was one of the wealthiest people to have ever lived. And he's saying with all the money that he had and all the stuff that he could buy, even the flowers of the field are far more beautiful than Solomon. And yet, for so many of us, the obsession of our life is food, it's provision, it's house and shelter, it's protection, and it's clothes, it's appearance. What do people think about me? What's the life that I get to look or at least appear like I'm living in? And am I going to be taken care of? And God says, you are more valuable than they, and he is going to take care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you? Again, what do you trust? Are you able to trust in God fully with your life and with your wealth and with your future? Or are you going to take matters into your own hand thinking, do you know what? I am better fit for finding out or figuring out what my future is going to look like. And Jesus says, what do you trust? What, what, what are you trusting in? And all of this, all of these things, what you treasure, what you truly serve, and what you trust is designed for us to allow God to work in our life. Because again, God is far more focused on who you become rather than what you have. And even in this teaching alone, we see some of the things that Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us about being content, to be content with what we have. We don't need more. We have plenty. All that God has given to us is his favor and blessing already. And we need to learn to be content with what we have. He's teaching us how to not be anxious. One of the biggest problems in our world is anxiety. And so much of our anxiety is driven from our appearance, what people think about us, protection or health or making sure that we're safe or, 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 or what we have, our, our provision, our money, things like that. 
And Jesus is saying, don't worry about those things. Why? How could we not worry about those things? It's because God wants you to trust in him and he's going to take care of you. He's teaching us patience. He says that what we get now is not as good as what we will get later through trusting in God. And he's teaching us how to be compassionate and sharing. Generous people are people that realize that everything they have is a gift from God. It's the people that think and work and claw and, and count every penny. Those are the ones that tend to cling tight to their wallets and tight to their time. But people that recognize that everything we have, even the breath in our lungs, is a gift from God. Jesus is far more concerned with who you become rather than what you have. And in a world and a culture that is obsessed with image, it's obsessed with stuff, it's obsessed with position and power, Jesus invites us into a different way of living. And he does so by three simple things. What do you treasure? What do you truly serve? And what do you trust? The invitation is to trust our whole life into Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace. And we ask even now that you would help us to trust you with our whole lives. We thank you for your grace. We love you. It's in Jesus' name.